0: it seems that we have had a lot of warnings in the news recently. I'm sure that you've heard all the warnings about COVID, about climate change, about wildfires, water safety, monkeypox, which is something I've never heard of before. And then every week or so, there seems to be some kind of yellow, amber or red warning about the weather. Whether it's about wind or rain or thunderstorms, or even heat waves, even in Ireland, heat waves. <laughs> Don't tell us that. And of course, warnings are really important, aren't they? They warn us about very real dangers, things that we need to do something to avoid. But the problem is that we can get so used to hearing warnings that we just become kind of indifferent to them and relaxed about the dangers that they point to. That's what happened to a 23-year-old American tourist a couple of weeks ago. He was visiting the active volcano Mount Vesuvius in Italy. But he ignored the warning signs and took a, a closed off path up to the top of the crater. And when he got there, he was taking a selfie, as you do, and he dropped his mobile phone into the crater. So he had another good idea to climb down into the crater to get his mobile phone. And then, it was then that he stumbled and fell even further into the crater. And he couldn't get back up again. (laughs) A team of guides in the area, they tried to climb down to get him, but they didn't manage. So ultimately, a rescue helicopter had to get him off the mountain. Now, he was very fortunate. He survived with just cuts and bruises and probably a prosecution for trespassing as well. But many people don't fare so well when they ignore warning signs. Like 26-year-old Alexander Nossens. A few years ago he was surfing off Reunion Island in the Indian Ocean despite the beach being closed to water sports because of a shark warning. And he should have known better because he was previously employed as a shark spotter by a surfing organisation. But still he went out into the water where he was bitten in the leg by a shark. And even though the fishermen in the area pulled him out of the water, he tragically died at the scene. So warnings are serious. And ignoring them is dangerous. And so the writer of Hebrews didn't want his readers to ignore his warning, not to give up their Christian Faith. Not to drift away back to their previous religious life. And so in this next section he reminded them of the, the tragic episode in their nation's history. And he pleaded with them for a better response. So this morning we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 to 19. And Evelyn is going to come and she's going to read for us. So Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7.
1: See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief.
0: Thank you very much, Evelyn. Last time, a couple of weeks ago, the writer of Hebrews encouraged his readers to remain faithful to God by showing them two positive examples of faithfulness. Moses, and then ultimately, Jesus. But in this passage, the writer presented them with a warning from a negative example. The negative example of the people of Israel who were not faithful and who suffered the consequences of their unfaithfulness. To do that, he quoted from Psalm 95. (coughs) This psalm (coughs) is a call to worship. It begins with, (coughs) Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. And encourages us to praise God by reminding us of the greatness of God. His ownership of the world that he created. And his care for us, his people. But then it goes on to give a warning. A warning to those who might be tempted to turn away from God. And it takes that warning from that tragic episode in Israel's past. God had rescued the nation from slavery in Egypt. He'd sent ten devastating plagues until finally Pharaoh decided to let God's people go. But even then, Pharaoh changed his mind and he chased them down. But again, God miraculously intervened, drying up the Red Sea to allow his people to safely walk through and then letting the the sea flow again to destroy Pharaoh and his entire army. These were amazing demonstrations of might and power. And initially, they'd really impacted the hearts of the people of Israel. In Exodus chapter 14, it says this, verse 31. When the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in Him and in Moses, His servant. The people feared the Lord and they put their trust in Him. But very soon after that, the people started to harden their hearts and rebel against the Lord. So when they got to a place where there was no water to drink, they grumbled against Moses. This is, what, this is what they said, Exodus chapter 17. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Despite all that they'd experienced, all that they'd seen, the miracles and the demonstration of God's power, they were still questioning God's love. And doubting his goodness to them. But in his grace, God again stepped in to provide water for them. Miraculously causing water to flow from the rock. But Moses called the place Massa and Meribah. Because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us or not? then about a year later, God brought them to the border of the land that he promised to give them. And but when 10 out of the 12 spies came back with a bad report about the strength of the people who were living in that promised land, the people of Israel panicked. It seemed that they completely forgot what God had just done for them in Egypt. They said, if only we had died in Egypt... Or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land? Only to let us fall by the sword. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Their hearts are completely hardened to what God had just done for them. And they refused to believe that God would do what He had promised. So they rebelled against him. They refused to go into the land as God had commanded. And incredibly, they talked about appointing a new leader who would take them back to Egypt. That land of slavery that God had just miraculously rescued them from. And so in judgment, God responded. He didn't punish them immediately as they deserved. But instead he said this. Numbers chapter 14. Not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. And so over the next 40 years, that whole Israelite generation died. Apart from Joshua and Caleb. The two faithful spies who trusted in the Lord. All of the rest of that generation died in the desert. Yes, they had heard God's word. They saw God work an amazing power in their lives. And they were led out of Egypt by Moses. But they hardened their hearts against God. They rebelled against His rule in their lives. They refused to believe in Him and in His good plan for their lives. And so their bodies fell in the desert. They did not enter the promised land. And this is according to the word of the Lord. As reported in Psalm 95, I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. What a tragedy for that generation. They had so many privileges, so many blessings, seen so many miracles. They'd received God's word. Missed out on God's good plan for their lives. Because of their sinful and unbelieving hearts. As the writer says in verse 19 of our reading, they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. A tragic episode in the life of the nation of Israel. And the writer of Hebrews was concerned that some of his initial readers might do something very similar to that. And so he applied this psalm, Psalm 95, to them. He said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. The people that the writer was writing to had heard God's word. They'd heard the good news of Jesus preached to them, just like we have. They'd seen God work among them. But now they were facing a time of testing. Things had got a bit more difficult for them in their Christian lives. Persecution was was rising up again. The cost of following Jesus became all too clear. And in that challenging time, God was calling them to hold on in faith. And to live for Him. But some of them were being tempted to go back, as it were, to Egypt. Go back to the religious system that they'd known. Yes, they'd been enslaved by those rules and regulations of that system. But it seemed to them more attractive than living radically for Christ. So they were being tempted to do exactly the same as what the nation of Israel had done. And the writer warned them against it because he knew what was at stake here. Have a look at verse 14 of our reading. The writer says, We have come to share in Christ. It's a wonderful promise here. It could literally be translated, We are partners or companions with Christ. If we put our faith in Jesus, then we've been brought into a living, secure, intimate relationship with Jesus. We have been joined with Him. We are united with Him. We are part of Him. He becomes our Savior, our Lord, our Shepherd, our Provider, our Protector, our everything. It's Similar to what we saw in verse 6, the last time we looked at this passage. Where where the writer says that we are his house. We are part of the community of God's people. We belong to him. But verse 6 and verse 14 come with a condition. We belong to Christ. We are partners with him. We have come to share in him. If. Verse 14, if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. We can be sure of our relationship with Christ if we continue to courageously stand with Him and put our hope in Him. Now we need to be really careful what we're saying here. As I tried to explain a couple of weeks ago. This is not saying that we are brought into a relationship with Christ through our commitment, or through our effort, or through our perseverance. That relationship with Christ is not something that we achieve. Neither is it saying that we could have come into a relationship with Christ, that we could be saved, and then if we don't do something, then we can lose that salvation. The Bible is clear that salvation is a once-for-all gift. Paul declared with confidence in Romans chapter 8, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons nor the, the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we have come into a relationship with Jesus, then we can know that we are securely held, and nothing and no one can ever separate us from His love. It is God that holds on to us, and it's God who will continue and complete the work that He's begun in us. But this warning in verse 14 is saying that the faith that brings us into that secure, stable and eternal relationship with Christ is a faith that endures. The perseverance of our faith does not achieve for us a relationship with Jesus. But it does demonstrate That we have come into that relationship with Jesus. And so this is a warning. A warning to anyone who, like the first readers of this letter, are tempted to turn away from Christ. He's saying that if we walk away, if we rebel against God, if we refuse to believe in in His Son, then there's no assurance of salvation. But instead, we're in danger. Because our walking away might very well demonstrate that we never really did come into a relationship with Christ in the first place. We might have made a profession, but we might not put our faith in Christ. And so the writer pleaded with his readers Verse 12, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now again, we need to be really clear, this is not talking about someone who is struggling to live out their commitment to Christ. It is not talking about someone who is battling with temptation. It's not talking about someone who is struggling with sin. Because we're all like that. We all struggle with sin in our lives. We all battle with temptation in our lives. Rather this, this verse where people are turning away from the living God. This is talking about these people who deliberately and decisively walk away from Christ. They refuse to believe in Him. They refuse to follow Him. They say maybe the cost is too great. It's become too difficult. It stops me from doing what I want to do. And so they walk away. And so he wanted these right readers to be careful that they were not among those who had a sinful and unbelieving heart. He didn't want them to miss out on God's plan of salvation. He wanted them to make sure that they had repented of their sin, that they'd put their faith in Jesus and in His sacrificial death on the cross and His glorious resurrection from the grave. He wanted them to know that they'd received His forgiveness, that they had been adopted into His family and that they were heading for glory. So that's why he challenged them. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. He wanted them to respond today. Not just to depend on a decision that they'd made maybe many months ago or many years ago. Yeah, I remember that time when I put my trust in Jesus many years ago. And so that's enough. He didn't want them just to depend on that. He wanted them to check their heart today and see how they were responding in the present to see if they were listening to God's Word, if they were trusting in God's Son, if they were being led by God's Spirit, to see if they truly belonged to Christ because they were holding on in faith today. The evidence of saving faith is not really supposed to be something that happened the way out in the past. It's supposed to be our faith today. So we need to hear that same challenge in our today. We need to be careful that we don't have a sinful and unbelieving heart. We need to make sure that we are holding on to our faith in Christ. That we are listening to His Word. That we are trusting in His grace. That we are depending on Him alone for salvation. And that we are seeking to obey Him as our Lord and God. If you're here this morning, and that's not true, then we need to get that right today this is the day of salvation. This is the only day that we're guaranteed. We need to come to Christ today and put our trust in Him and receive Him as our Savior and Lord. And then if we do that, then uh, along with everybody else who's trusting in Christ, we can stand in that assurance that we've come to share in Christ. And that no one and nothing can snatch us out of his hand. That's where the Christian assurance is. Because today we're trusting in Christ. But to to do this, to stand in faith, to persevere in faith, to keep going in our walk with Christ, we need help. We need help. We can't do it on our own. Look at verse 13. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We can't do this on our own. We're not designed to, as believers to thrive in isolation. God has designed us to need each other. To depend on each other. To strengthen each other in our commitment to Christ. Perseverance in faith is a community experience. So we need to watch out for each other. Especially when it comes to the deceptiveness of... Of sin. That's the way that sin tricks us. It promises us so much. But in the end, it always leads to death. So we need to watch out for each other. Now that doesn't mean, of course, that we should go around pointing out everybody else's mistakes. And flaws. Being judgmental, being critical, encourages nobody. Does it? But it does mean that in love, we need to do all that we can to encourage each other to keep on coming to Christ. To keep fixing our thoughts on Christ. To keep on trusting in Christ for His mercy and for His grace in our times of need. It means daily we need to walk with each other as it were to the foot of the cross. And continue to put our trust in our wonderful Savior. And just to be clear, this is something that we all need. And this is something that we all need to do for each other. It's not just something that some people need. You know, the the weak Christians, the Christians who who are struggling. But we are okay. Okay. And neither is it a job to encourage others for just some people in the church. You know, the leaders, they are the ones who are supposed to go and encourage others. But we just sit back and and just look after ourselves. That's not what what the writer is saying here. This is our collective responsibility and privilege and need. Listen to what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. It's something we need to do for each other. I need you to encourage me. You need me to encourage you. You need each other to encourage you. We need each other, folks. We can't do this on our own. Keeping on going, persevering in our faith is a community experience. Warnings are serious. Ignoring them is dangerous. So let's learn from the unbelief of the Israelites in the past. And let's heed this warning for today. Being careful that we don't have that sinful and unbelieving heart. And let's watch out for each other. So that together we might hold firmly to Christ. Until the end.
1: For his honour. I praise glory.